0: The film, which we are about to discuss, is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths, in particular, Sally Hardesty and her invalid brother, Franklin. It is all the more tragic that they were young, but if they had lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected, nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and the macabre as they were to see that day. For them... An idyllic summer afternoon drive became a nightmare. The events of that day were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history the Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
1: Good afternoon, good evening, and good morning, and all the goods. This is an evening at the movies. I am your awesome host, Casey, and this is the podcast where we eat stale popcorn and drink watered down sodas and discuss all of our favorite movies and why we love them. Joining me on this awesome episode is John Luriquette himself, Chansey Greif from all the podcasts in the world, because his resume is long and distinguished.
0: Welcome, Chansey. Thank you for having me back again. It's always a pleasure being on.
1: Yeah, This is what, like three times in a row? Three times out of four? Yeah, I was going to say, it's,
0: it's, yeah, it's like three in a row, yeah.
1: <laughs> but all ma- it was all factors into where The Exorcist falls into the equation. I haven't looked at the list, but... Oh,
0: you know, that's yeah. valid, yeah. I don't know. So, yeah.
1: with the exception of The Exorcist, it's either three out of four or three in a row, so but like we talked about last night and caused a weird reaction on Amanda's face, you're rapidly becoming a unofficial co-host on the show now with it being three times in a row.
0: I know. Right. You know, it's kind of one of those things. I just kind of material like a
1: out of nowhere.
0: I was going to say, I'm like a growth. I kind of come out of nowhere and then I, like, you know, I, I grow on. you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, before we get into everything for the episode and whatnot, um, it actually dawned on me this morning when I woke up that it would be proper and respectful if I sent out a happy birthday wish to one of our amazing family members from the, the An Evening at the Movies family. Mr. Havandre himself has a birthday.
0: Havandre. In- Yes, you guys, indeed. You guys
1: will be hearing this on Wednesday. So, technically, last Saturday, Harvey had a birthday. So, we here at An Evening at the Movies would like to wish Harvey a happy late birthday, but not late because we're saying it on Saturday. We'll <laughs> figure out that whole time more rabbit hole, wormhole, you know.
0: It is a punctually late wishings of happy birthdays. So, there.
1: Exactly. So, for those of you who don't know and couldn't tell from, obviously, the introduction to the episode today. Well, you probably should, considering the name of the movie was in the introduction.
0: It was like the last thing I said. (laughs) Exactly,
1: but we will be discussing the 1974 Toby Hooper classic, "The Texas Chainsaw Massacre,"
0: which I wore my leather face shirt for.
1: The face only a mother could love.
0: No thanks. Says "stalked by a chainsaw wielding madman." Who would uh, leave a trail of blood and
1: terror that would terror,
0: Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Fucking the greatest fucking character next to fucking, like, honestly, I think, I think, I think Leatherface is better than Jason. That's just unpopular opinion, but that's my opinion.
1: I'm honestly not going to disagree with that. For a lot of people, I haven't really brought it up a whole hell of a lot before on the show, but to me, Mount Rushmore for horror for well, not necessarily horror, but slasher characters is only three faces, and it's Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, and Leatherface. I would. Throw, I would pin we can throw pinhead in there and make it a fourth. But I, I just, I have a lot of problems with everything. Like 85% of Friday the 13th is just hot garbage. I'm the first two or three mom. They were, yeah, they were all right. Mom was a great twist. Especially considering, I watched like two or two and three before. So, from that aspect, you're expecting Jason, but yet then you get the mom twist at he, the, end. yeah. Two and three you get the revenge, and then you actually get the donning of the hockey mask for the first time. Right. Uh, once you hit four, it starts going south.
0: Really it starts quick starts getting real campy.
1: Six wasn't that bad. Four and five I didn't particularly care for. Seven, yeah. I'm not going down the rabbit hole of Jason Takes Manhattan.
0: Because I, I I don't know. Like The only problem I had with Jason Takes Manhattan was the fact that they had to figure out a magical way to connect a pond to and, is, and what, an estuary to fucking make it to where they could get to fucking New York? Well, that was
1: my whole thing was, uh, in a lot of ways, it was a lot like Halloween ends. You get all this advertising, Jason Takes Manhattan, Jason Takes Manhattan, Laurie versus Michael, epic battle. And then you get, what, five minutes at the end of the movie?
0: On right. That's so- valid. That's valid, actually. I understand your, like, that's a good example for how that makes me help understand your insight on that, actually.
1: I mean, realistically, that movie could have been named Friday the 13th, Part 8 Jason Takes the Titanic.
0: Nah, nah, that's a good one. Yes. I mean,
1: theoretically, it could have pissed off a lot of snowflake boat enthusiasts, but. You know, it it would have been more accurate considering, like I said, New York literally had what a 10 minute part in that movie?
0: Uh, Less, I think, because I think they did most of their stuff in Quebec. Yeah. So I think they did like a couple of shots of him in Times Square and then like everything else is in Quebec. (laughs) (laughs) Compared
1: to filming in New York, too. So. Right. But then yeah, you follow that up with the whatever the hell Jason Goes to Hell was. The only I,
0: I I enjoy Jason Goes to Hell personally.
1: It, like it, it was it was
0: it was a, it was a fun ride.
1: <coughs> it was different, but to me the best part of that movie was the payoff at the end. Where you oh yeah, yeah, Freddy, yeah, right. Freddy versus Jason is coming because yeah. Freddy came up and Grabbed the mask and pulled it down into hell.
0: I wish they would have ended Freddy versus Jason with their proposed ending, where they would fight. They were gonna to start to fight in hell, and the chain was gonna come in between them, and Pinhead was gonna come out of the nowhere and be like, "Is there a problem here, gentlemen?" And set up like a sequel for like a three way fucking dude, cause Pinhead would have fucked everybody up, dude, yeah, just he- like shim shim ha shim ha. <laughs> Like, I, I know Freddy's your boy and all, but, like, he ain't got shit on Pinhead, man.
1: No. No, no, no. I totally agree with that. The problem is, is, I think they were hoping to kind of sort of set up everything for maybe a multitude of Freddy versus Jason versus Michael or versus Pinhead or whatever the case may be. I don't think. The studio ended up getting the rights to the movies that they needed to do those, which kind of. Yeah. Hurt. And now you're getting to that point now where Robert is pretty much too old to do
0: Freddy. Yeah. Well, that and the the whole Friday the 13th legal uh, black hole that was because the original writer, because like there's this thing in the copywriting where 25 years the original writer can attempt to uh, Regain the reacquire record. yeah right and that's what he started doing and that's why the Jason because I had the Jason the Friday the 13th game on my Xbox which I love playing by the way fucking they stopped doing un- like all updates and they were going to do a whole bunch of different maps and shit and because of the lawsuit they had to shut it all down it's Oops. just it's disturbing
1: Well, yeah, and you're almost at that same point now with, like, Nightmare on Elm Street where the rights to Freddy, if they haven't already, have probably already reversed back to Wes Craven's estate. So, I know supposedly his estate is shopping around for new ideas for the franchise, but... At the same time, it's one of those things I kind of hope doesn't materialize because Robert is too old to do it. Maybe one more time if done right. But it needs to be a good one-off story to just wrap it all up. You're not going to have Robert back for three, four, five movies. Right? He's not a young man anymore. And realistically, at it's a lot easier to recast Michael Myers and Freddie mask Jason because they're man yeah, they're the, they're the man in the mask and they don't talk
0: right? Well,
1: for the most part they do don't talk
0: with their tech that they got, I would say they could probably go as far as to recast the body double. And just have Robert England do the voiceover stuff.
1: They could. I think that's one of those things where the Screen Actors Guild kind of sort of is involved and not really down for that shit because now you're starting to get into the whole idea of, well, theoretically, I could digitally create Clark Gable or whatever. And then now... Okay, that's a digital creation. <laughs> Who's getting paid for that? Obviously, not an actor because it's not an actual legitimate actor's body or ability. But right. Either way, rabbit hole.
0: But
1: massacre. So let's see really quick. I got some Opening information. Uh, Let's see. The Texas Transyl Massacre released on October 11th, 1974. It was obviously directed by legendary director Toby Hooper. Yes. It was... Released by Bryanston Distribution co- Distributing Company, excuse me. It had a budget of approximately, depending upon which numbers you want to believe.
0: You mean distributed by the mob?
1: <laughs> pretty much. The budget was between eighty thousand dollars and one hundred and forty thousand dollars, which watching the movie, you can obviously tell it was not given a whole shit ton of freaking money to make it look pretty.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Uh, It also had a box office of $30.9 million dollars.
0: I mean, I I remember it making a lot of money, but like I didn't think uh,
1: If I actually go back and think about it, this movie I would probably classify, as far as my memory goes, is probably the first true cult classic movie, I think, to come out. Uh,
0: Yeah, I would put this in
1: probably Rocky Horror Picture Show, probably about, I think Rocky Horror is a little bit younger. I don't remember exactly what year that one released, but I know they're both fairly close. And both yeah, of them, that's sure. Rocky horror probably has a little bit more of a marketable following now, where Texas yeah. Massacre kind of has their group of cult followers and it pretty much sticks with that. Uh let's see, other than that, really quick before we get into discussion. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre was banned in several countries and numerous theaters stopped showing the film in response to complaints about its violence. While it initially drew a mixed reception from critics, it was highly profitable, grossing over $30 million at the domestic box office, equivalent roughly to over $150.8 million by 2022 equivalencies hmm. selling over 16 and a half million tickets in 1974 it was it has since gained a reputation as one of the best and most influential horror films it is credited with originating several elements common in the slasher genre including the use of power tools as murder weapons the characteration, characterization characterization of the killer as a large, hulking, faceless figure, and the killing of victims, it led to a franchise that continued the story of Leatherface and his family through sequels, prequels, a remake, comic books, and a video game. Nice. So I did not know that there was a video game.
0: Yeah, was they say? What's the name of this video game? I need this video game in my life, like now.
1: I'm hoping it's not like some freaking like old school Atari thing and right. You know, all of that, because those graphics would suck balls. But yeah, I mean, what can you say about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that isn't fit fa- Well, I can imagine certain people who co-host on this show have a lot they can say about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that isn't favorable.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you know.
1: But I can also fully accept the fact that this movie is not everybody's cup of tea. And we are going to to fix to get into that right now because my first discussion point that I wanted to bring up is the fact that If you look at the official running time of this movie granted there's 18 different freaking anniversary editions out and I'm not trying to go back and figure out if they're all the same running time or director's cuts and all of that so we're just going to go with the 1974 statistic that this movie had an 88 minute running time yeah So, even by most horror standards, that's probably a good five to six minutes less than what most horror movies run. Normally, you get anywhere in that hour and 34 minutes to hour and 40 minutes, and it's good. So, my first question, do you think that a shorter running time either hampered or helped the success of this movie. I have an idea and I'll. Mm. Okay. Well, cause here's my idea. I'll give you something to feed off of with this.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: So the way I looked at it when I rewatched the movie was if you look at how the movie plays out, the movie plays out basically in three sections.
0: Yep. You
1: have the opening where they're all in the van heading out to...
0: All hunky-dory.
1: Yeah. Heading out to the cemetery to check and make sure that... uh, The
0: bones.
1: Yeah, that everything hasn't been tampered with because there's a rash of grave robberies. Right. And then that part basically wraps up about the time they get to the parents' property.
0: Second uh, part. Uh, well, all right. Okay.
1: Well, that that was just the way I looked at it. Because here's the way I broke it down: the second part, basically, you have, um, yeah, Pam and Kirk, who discover the house that Leatherface is in, which basically starts the downward spiral of everybody in that van. Pam and Kirk get killed. Um, yeah. What's his face gets killed. And then you basically have Franklin and Sally left.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which basically then starts the third part, being basically beginning with Franklin's murder, which ha 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 crippled no offense to crippled people but I'll get into my thoughts on Franklin here shortly but once Franklin's gone and Sally's on her own you basically have the last part of the movie which is the psychological destruction of Sally as she is chased, tortured abused chased some more and ultimately ends up escaping as the final girl of the movie at the end of the movie.
0: So, right.
1: I know a lot of people, oh, the movie started out kind of slow, blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. It kind of does, but...
0: It starts off at no, It goes at its own pace. <clears throat>
1: I think my ultimate vision is the fact that it is really... I think it is really actually well-paced. It's not like you have 40-some-odd minutes before the killer shows up. Right. Not naming any names. Halloween ends. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, you're not getting Leatherface... Ten minutes into the movie, but yeah, you have to get to that point where you're establishing every. Why are these kids out in the middle of freaking nowhere, Texas? Yeah, you know, you get them stopping at the gas station, and you have the weirdos at the gas station. Again, you're not a hundred percent sure who these people are, but. You definitely don't have a good feeling about them.
0: See, that's not how I felt going into it, watching it for the first time. Because when you first one, they like when you first meet him, you can tell that the person running the bucket is special needs, and Jim Seedow, the owner of the gas station, uh, you know, he seems like a pretty just stand up legit feller. So I mean, like for. I'm sorry, I I I kind of interrupted your. No, oh,
1: no, 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 you're fine.
0: Because I don't know if we we're gonna each take turns giving a synopsis of what we thought for the whole thing, but like.
1: Well, yeah, cause I, don't. I I don't want to monopolize the whole thing, but I want to give you a chance to get your two cents in. Yeah,
0: two cents. well, yeah, no, go ahead. You, by all means, continue, and then I'll I'll get to I'll explain well, my point of it when you get to yours. My whole idea
1: of like, the gas station situation. I've seen movies like wrong turn enough or Jeepers Creepers or Friday the
0: 13th basically every scary movie's got the foreboding
1: yeah where they may not like you said they may not necessarily come across immediately as okay red flags all over the place these people are fucking sure. but yeah you get to the, the point later in the movie where she's running from the house and ends up back at the gas station. And, Oops. Oops. This is not the situation <laughs> I want to be <me> in.
0: <laughs> so. But in my opinion, so-
1: I think the movie is really well-paced from beginning to end. You get a nice little part of building the storyline and all the reasoning for these kids being out in the middle of freaking nowhere Texas, that realistically, there is no more middle of nowhere Texas anymore, the way Texas is freaking exploding. Valid. But, then you get the adrenaline rush of the, what, four kills of Pam and Kirk, and What's-His-Face and Franklin. And then
0: Franklin, yeah.
1: That actually happened pretty much realistically back to back to back to back. I mean, all within minutes of each other. And then, ultimately you get to that point in the movie where now it's Sally on her own against not only just freaking Leatherface, but
0: everybody.
1: His brother. Uh, freaking everybody so it's like yeah you don't know at any given moment if I remember watching this movie the first time I ever watched it thinking I'm not sure she's going to have a happily ever after moment because the amount of drama and tension and pure psychotic wonderment even with her jumping in the back of that truck you're still not 100% convinced something's right. not going to happen I mean it would yeah. it would not have surprised me in the least if after she got in the back of that truck that truck didn't make a freaking U-turn and head right back to the freaking Leatherface house
0: yeah, I mean that for sure, and no, I get what you're saying. I mean,
1: so yeah, your thoughts on the movie? And that so movie?
0: I thought the pacing was brilliant because, like, it was you. You get that that opening jarring sequence of the sound of the the flashbulb and the V charge, and then like. The things that it's like it goes from just pure darkness to just and you get one little glimpse of something and another little glimpse and another little glimpse and then the struggles in the darkness and then the horrific uh, totems that were created with the desecrated bodies and then like that's your opening like because I mean in in, in a lot of ways like well, I mean, like there's other films that you could consider to be the first slasher film. like this one, in my opinion, really set up the template for all slasher films. like yeah. you got your you got your bad, you got your bad spooky opening. It doesn't go in the exact pattern that they've evolved into now, where there's like you know, instant death right away. like, right out the gate to get people's attention instead of going
1: well no I I mean even like Halloween 78 you get Judith and her boyfriend get killed within like the first three minutes right Nightmare on Elm Street 1 you're literally you don't get a death in that first opening but you get Freddy toying with Tina in her dream right so you're getting more instantly from these movies than yep. you were from Texas Chainsaw
0: like I mean, TCM laid that groundwork in my opinion
1: yeah i like i, I don't it, it definitely was not 40 some odd minutes into the movie before you meet right leatherface
0: but, no 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 you know,
1: i think it's only like 20 minutes i think I mean there's a significant chunk of time.
0: Yeah, but I like how but like that was the thing it was like n- everything throughout was ominous. There was this ominous feeling to it like mm-hmm. the the way they opened it with the sound and the lack of music and the flashbulb sequences just giving you just a glimpse of what you're just of what you're about to experience. And then the the title sequence, how it sounds ominous, and it has background music of like actual, like headlines from the day being read out loud, and stuff of that nature. And then like the the slowdown when they establish the character development for who's who in the van, and this, that, and the other, with a little haha jump scare when Franklin gets the pee on himself. And then they go you know to the the cemetery, and all's well, and everything's looking good so far. but the ominous thing about that was that the uh the old man in the tire when he's drinking. I love how Toby Hooper and the editor cut that scene right at the moment where he goes. <sighs> As if he was about to tell a secret that we all needed to know. So it's like, oh, what was he gonna say? And then exactly, it begins to slowly kind of ramp that back up because they go to the, you know, the gas station. You get that little like, what's you know, who are these people, and like, are they on the up and up? But me personally, I never picked up on the whole because I I don't want to say that this is the first. I think I also want to say this was that this was the first movie where they established the the twist of the because there was always the person warning them ahead of time. Then they were never bad. But I think this might have been like a first time where they go back to the place of a perceived safety only to be betrayed to find out that surprise they're in on it too. Yeah. I could be wrong on that, but for some reason for the slasher genre, I really think that that was the, the first time that they established that, that inability to trust anyone at that point. But like,
1: Well, yeah, and then that ultimately would end up playing out over not necessarily as much the classics, per se. Right. It definitely became prevalent
0: again with... All the TCMs, basically.
1: Well, yeah, all the TCMs, as well as... It even branched over to, like, the Scream franchise.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Even into the torture porn genre with like Saw.
0: Yeah, that because was that's, that's also valid. Yeah.
1: Realistically, even with that, as an audience member, you didn't know what the hell was coming with that movie until literally Jigsaw stood up out of the puddle of his own blood,
0: yeah. and pulled
1: the freaking <laughs> mask off, and it's like, oh, damn. We just got fucking played.
0: I mean, I, I, I don't know. I was suspect through the whole thing. Like, I was pissed off about the first Saw movie because it was like, okay, he injected himself with this thing, but you can't tell me they ain't no. But they, You can't tell me they were in that thing that whole time he didn't fart in his sleep. Not one time. Like, I don't think so. I'm not buying it. But no, like, I love, like I said, you know, you got that. Smash opener, but instead of the standard smash opener, it's this like ominous, drawn out glimpse with you know, then gets kind of even drawn out even further with the title sequence, and then all of a sudden, bang, it goes into normality with you know, the introduction of the cl- of the of the characters, and then mm-hmm. the funny ha ha with the Franklin and the P, and they get to the, the cemetery and they go to the gas station you get your first glimpse of the people and everybody is all normal up to this point. And then you meet the hitchhiker. And the hitchhiker kind of gives you the idea that something might be wrong. But what I thought was really awesome was that when you meet the hitchhiker before they got to the gas station, I don't think that the the gas station guy noticed the marking on the side of the the van because the door... Covered it up, and uh, I, you know, it. Like I said, it goes into like you know the whole. They go to the house. Everything kind of slows back down, and then it slowly because like you get like little bits of ominous, like you know, Easter eggs throughout the character development portion of it, and then the trying to go to the dried up swimming hole where we first have I, I forgot the name of the first uh, guy who gets killed Dirk uh, oh Dirk yeah yeah uh, like its I always thought it was kind of I, one thing I wish they hadn't have done was I wish they wouldn't have showed all the cars before they, before they got into the house I wish they would have just got to the house and then she would have been like off you know, wandering around outside on her own. And then you get the whole him, you know, opening up the door and boom, there he is, fucking pop, pulls him into the thing. Yeah, you know, slams it shut. I do like the fact that uh, when the, uh, when Sally's boyfriend gets killed, that scream that he lets out is a genuine scream because they never let him see what Leatherface looked like until that moment. And that scream that he lets out is a legit blood-curdling scream from that person because Gunnar Hansen scared the fucking shit out of him.
1: Well, (laughs) I don't care. care. Fake. Obviously, it wasn't real human skin, but it was orchestrated to look like legitimate human skin. Right. That mask that he was wearing was creepy as hell.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure.
1: To have that moment, the first moment that you see that character be literally caught on camera like that. Boom.
0: Real quick, too. Yeah, I mean, he literally pops. It's almost like.
1: Nowhere. Chases him into the freaking room and.
0: No, no, yeah, he doesn't even. he, He doesn't even chase him. No, he just he just hits him, drags him into the thing, shuts the door. It's almost like he was a it's like a phantom
1: oh, that yeah that yeah,
0: the okay. very first introduction of Leatherface, yeah, no i I get what you're saying. you're talking about his girlfriend,
1: so yeah Where he's
0: like she almost gets not Sally, but the other girl, yeah where she almost gets to freedom, but he snags her up on the porch, and right out of her she is, but uh. Yeah, I know. Like, I love that whole element where it's just like all of a sudden the door opens. There he is. Bang! Drops him, picks him up like he's a sack of potatoes, threw him against the wall, which was another thing that was kind of funny because the guy playing the dude that got thrown was like, I wasn't expecting him to be that strong. And he just picked him up and baby Bjorn him just like he weighed like five pounds because wow. he was all jacked up on adrenaline from being nervous. And then he slams that door, and it's almost like, Like I said, he's like a phantom. Did that really just happen? Are we just seeing things? What the fuck just happened? Did he just, is he dead? And then uh, his girlfriend, you know, pulls that white folk move and decides to break and enter and follow him into the house, like after the fact, trying to find this guy. Like, I'm sorry. If I was with somebody and they went inside somewhere, like, you know, 10, 20 minutes goes by and they don't come out to tell me or let me know by any means or whatever, I'm not exactly going in after them unless they're like, you know, the most most meaningful people.
1: Yeah, I'll stand on the porch in the doorway and scream my freaking head off. Hey, where the hell are you at? But I'm not going in there.
0: Yeah, right. I've
1: seen enough horror movies to know what happens if you go into an abandoned house in the middle of fucking Texas.
0: I mean, I would have just like I would have. I would have went with him when he went inside, like not directly, but like at the doorway, because then by that time, you know, she could have saw the like by got a, at least a head start.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But I also like how once once the killing starts, it's off to the races. Like it's, uh, it's kind of one of those things where it's almost like, uh, not necessarily parabolic, but like when you stretch the rubber band out and then it snaps back together and then it goes back out again and it comes back together. Like you get that, you get that stretch when the beginning and then the snap. And then it like, you know, it's when it's, when the killing starts, it's the snap. And then it all kind of gets weird. Cause then, you know, you know. Franklin's death just crazy out of nowhere and
1: yeah I don't
0: I, even it, oh yeah I don't even think it's the best kill in my opinion but everybody always I associates with that no. one
1: I I'm not saying it's a bad kill per se because there is isn't real you basically have four deaths for the most part in yeah. this movie
0: You have
1: Kirk being the
0: peekaboo king. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Then you have Pam getting grabbed and thrown up on the freaking
0: meat hook. I think that one's the worst one, if you ask me.
1: Yeah, they did that one really well. And then the fact that she's she's still alive and having to watch Kirk get cut up. Right. It violent and psychological at the same time. Then you get Sally's boyfriend. But blah, yeah. blah. And then, yeah, after that, it's Sally and Franklin going through the darkness of Wonderland and trying to find their friends. When right. all of a sudden, out of nowhere, bam! Chainsaw. <laughs> and, yeah. Basically, Franklin becomes handicapped. A,
0: fr- to- <laughs> a Frank kebab. <laughs> exactly. And <laughs> before
1: I forget to throw this in there, I just want to I'm not going to lie, freaking that little rant that Franklin has in their parents' house when they first get there. He's acting like a whiny little bitch.
0: Yeah. I I I think that was...
1: I get the whole idea that he probably, especially being handicapped, probably, he doesn't get included in a lot of things and gets... He's made to feel left, like he's left out and all of that. And they're all off doing whatever they're doing once they get to the house. And he's basically left behind outside in the middle of nowhere. He's got to work his way into the house. And he's probably incredibly pissed off at the time. But that little whiny little outburst that he had almost kind of felt like fingernails on a freaking chalkboard to me.
0: No, I I can understand. Uh, I can understand where you come from there. I always kind of took that as it was indicating that maybe he had more than just, you know, like a crippling ailment, like maybe something that was mental as well, like some type of deficiency or disability that made him.
1: And that could be as well because they don't ever, I don't.
0: They never elaborate. No, they don't ever go into it. Yeah, he's basically. That's why that, that's okay. why they described him as invalid. Oh, sorry. That's no, why this that's, that's why, why yeah. That's why in the beginning, that's why they straight up called him an invalid back when you could still say things like that. Yeah, no, you can't get
1: away with that now. You get cancel cultured.
0: Whoops. Like my bad. If I get if I get you canceled, buddy, I'm sorry. It's been a good run, but
1: Eh, why not? We had a hundred and one episodes. It's all good.
0: I mean, if you had that you then then you have to rearrange them so like I'm the last three. So like all of a sudden you get you get Harvandre for the best right up at the front, and then just like everything up to this point, and then the like downward, bam.
1: the downward spiral that ultimately is an evening at the movies getting canceled. Here right, the and then you you episodes. do the video.
0: You do the yeah, the final three episodes and then the video of you saying, Well, because of Chansey and his monologue or repeating of the monologue from the beginning of the movie, we are now canceled because XY and Z platforms suck.
1: Well, that probably
0: is the truth, but still. So Okay. But- yeah, I love the. I like I said. I love how when the the killing starts, it's off to the races. But what I love the most is the uh, the rug out from under your feet when the gas station owner you find out that he's involved. Yeah, that's always the kicker for me.
1: Well, yeah, because I'm trying to remember back to the rewatch. They don't ever officially say who he is, do they? As far as in the grand scheme of things?
0: Uh, from the way I understand it is that I believe that uh, the one they fed the blood to when they cut her finger, which they actually really cut her finger. Yeah. Uh, um, that I... was That was, I believe... Uh, Jim Seidel's father, because they don't ever give him the name in the movie. Yeah, well, not this one. not I think they not did, that. Yeah, it, it, Drayton Sawyer. Did,
1: I think they did in the in the second the one.
0: Oh yeah, like, yeah. In the remake, they hit, hit game one right out of the gate, but they gave him one in uh, the tech, the second one. It was Drayton Sawyer.
1: Yeah. Oh. So, all right. So ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, your ultimate thoughts and review on the movie.
0: Oh, I, I mean, I love the movie. It's I, I mean, you can't you can't have a horror of discussion without discussing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Not just because of the uh you know, everyone always goes on about how gory it is, but it truly isn't that gory. Like, there's very little, there's less gore in it than there is, you know, the uh, the Friday the 13th movies, which all, which really weren't that gory either. But, uh, I mean, for me, my favorite part is when he's taking her back out to the house at, from the gas station in the burlap sack, and he's poking her. With that bat, with that broken broom handle, because you can see that, like how talented Jim Cidao really was, because he went from, you know, laughing and giggling and having a good time to feeling or looking as if he was feeling remorse about what it was he was doing, and then the madness takes over again, and he starts having fun and going back to jabbing at her. Well, and it, the, honest
1: like they stumble across. The hitchhiker before you realize yep. who the hitchhiker yep. is. And For sure. he like blows up and he's beating the crap out of him. How dare you leave your finally get the revelation? It's his brother. Brother. Right. How dare, you left him alone? He could be getting out, blah 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 blah. Or you could have been caught. Ultimately the realization that it's probably the hitchhiker that is the one that's robbing the graves. Yep so for sure been caught your brother could have got out all this that and the other thing and it becomes the rest of that trip back to the house becomes a manic freaking ripping the hitchhiker a new ass freaking trying to get back to the house making sure everything is okay gets back to the house and realizes freaking Look at what your brother did to the look front door. Look what your
0: brother yeah, look what your brother did to the front door. All freaking
1: chainsaw chopped up, you know. So yeah. I'll let you go ahead and finish your thoughts. No,
0: no no, that was basically it. So We basically we basically hit the same notes, yeah, cuz I mean like he gets home and freaks out and the the famous dinner scene, like... Oh, yeah. I mean...
1: Which Rob Zombie kind of sort of tried to mimic in The House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, he did. So, that was ultimately going to be my big part of my review is the fact that you get a lot of people who hate on this movie, but yet this movie is paid tribute to in so many different ways by movies like Jeepers Creepers Raw Turn right. House of a Thousand Corpses you know without the Texas Chainsaw Massacre you wouldn't have necessarily those movies probably a House of a Thousand Corpses because Rob Zombie's got a sick twisted freaking nepotistic mind but you know it is what yeah. it is. So, right, um, out of five, what are you rating the Texas Chainsaw Massacre?
0: Oh, easily for the four chainsaws that have the Saw's family on the side of it. Out of five,
1: I would probably agree and probably go four out of five chainsaws as well. Um, I don't necessarily think the movie is perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But no. I've seen I've definitely seen a lot worse horror movies than what this was.
0: Um, I can't Sleepaway Camp. Oh god. Sleepaway just Camp. Just the acting like regardless of the reveal just the acting alone in Sleepaway Camp is so atrocious that in and of itself TCM is just leaps and bounds better by that movie by the crappy acting oh whoa.
1: yeah exactly um, I'm a huge fan of the whole and I've said this before when we first did um, the first couple Star Wars movies being the original trilogy um, Right, I'm a huge fan of simplistic principles when it comes to movie making I think, personally, the best visuals from the Star Wars franchise were episodes 4, 5, and 6, where it was all practically done. Minimal computers, obviously minimal computers. You, right. You, you hadn't yet gotten to the digital age like you did with the prequels and all of that stuff. Um, Texas Chainsaw did the same thing. They literally had... Worst case scenario, an $80,000 budget and made a gritty, realistic, dark, creepy horror movie with literally little to no special effects at all. The only right. special effects being obviously the kill scenes. But even then, they're not overly complicated and drawn out. So Toby Hooper, it in my honest to God opinion, as far as back to the Mount so, or the Mount Rushmore. As far as horror directors go, horror directors, I won't amend this one. The horror directors, Mount Rushmore is three faces. It's I'll even go first with Amanda's favorite because I don't want to get her mad at me and get her salty again. But obviously (laughs) John Carpenter goes on the horror director. Yeah. Next up being Wes Craven. Yeah. Wes Craven. Again, a fucking genius. John Carpenter, a genius. Toby Hooper goes up there as well.
0: But <coughs> I, I do have to argue that, like, not even for Hellraiser's sake, but if you're gonna go that far, because I mean, like, Sean Cunningham, who, or wait, listen, I mean, Toby Hooper's already on Mount Rushmore. Yeah. But you mentioned you mentioned West Craven, but <coughs> yeah. you you got to throw Jason on there because Sean Cunningham and West Craven made the last house on the left, which was basically. True equally as shocking if not more shocking like they were trying to be more shocking than TCM
1: yeah the last house on the left too was one of those freaking right Right. yeah but like the original was creepy as hell the remake was just as freaking creepy even though you know it's coming but still so, I'm trying to think. I think we pretty much covered the bulk of the beauty that is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There is sure. a real lot. I mean, it's a great movie. And if you love horror movies and have not seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre yet,
0: one... Then you don't really love horror movies. Yeah,
1: complete <laughs> <blast> <laughs> movie Because... This is one of those movies where as a horror fan you need to see it at least once. I will I will play the typical Casey card where um this definitely falls in that category where you need to see it at least once. And it it might be rough for you to get through at times. You might not necessarily care for the pace of the movie but you need to power through and get through the whole movie and appreciate everything that the actors and Toby Hooper did as far as their work together. Yeah. So alrighty. So on that note Um, I want to thank the obviously the dozens for being here again. Each and every week, we appreciate and love every one of you. Uh, you guys have anything coming up on your seventeen podcasts, Uh Mister? We need to know about.
0: Uh, well, I mean. I don't know how fast you drop these out, but we just did the first of the two uh, 50th anniversary or 50th uh, episodes of the Bracket Bastards today. Uh, we got Happy the second 50th. half coming up.
1: Happy 50th to Bracket Bastards.
0: Got the second half of that, of that bracket going up next or uh, getting taped next week. And um, let's see uh Maniacal Music Musings is gonna have a Stevie Wonder bracket at some point, and we're we'll yeah, looking we into lock- December.
1: We gotta look lock down a date for that.
0: Yeah, dude, for sure. That's gonna I be know, awesome.
1: Jeremy was trying to do it earlier, and I was doing eighteen freaking different things this morning and didn't get a chance to message back. But we'll definitely get that one figured out because. Oh
0: yeah, Stevie
1: Wonder is a musical genius. <laughs>
0: For sure. And, uh, you know, we tape every Tuesday live on Facebook and then drop the audio on uh, Fridays. Uh, Bracket Bastards tapes usually Saturday or Sunday, drops on Sundays. I'm, um, You know, I'm working on trying to get all my ducks in a row so I can bring back my old podcast I was a part of, the Red Eye Roundtable, which is going to be like a combination of... Uh, a humorous and serious kind of thing it'll be a group effort when it's humorous content and for the more serious ones it'll be one-on-one so that way i can have a one-on-one conversation with a person uh of either like we'll say like a like of like any 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 really any uh minority group or uh under you know those who feel unrepre- underrepresented you know stuff of that nature so that way you know discussions that any other podcast always has for five seconds or five minutes can be done in a long-form conversation and not from an i'm right you're wrong perspective but just from somebody who doesn't genuinely know and wants to better understand the world that he lives in and uh, i've got uh tiktok and instagram that's both set up as the red eye roundtable because that's the name of the show i got a twitter for uh, red eye table and then uh facebook is just Chansey grife it's just my name uh, i believe that's all my million and one things i'm on
1: <laughs> you and jeremy definitely have your hands in all the different pies
0: yeah, it's uh it's you not, know, not a bad thing at all. Jeremy's got I like how Jeremy's got his, you know, paranormal thing and mm-hmm. then we meet together for the maniacal music musings thing maniacal and then I musical have
1: musical musifications. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know it pisses him off whenever Amanda and I uh, freaking
0: That's t- that's why I started calling it the cube or M cubed or anything of that nature, just cause I, it's a tongue twister. And you know, it, uh, it uh, you know when he, when he knows you're doing it to do it, it definitely gets under his skin and that kind of is the fun of it. But, uh, I like yeah. how we, he's, he's got his own podcast and we meet in the middle for the music one. And then I've got the red eye round table, which, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be more levity shows than serious shows, unless the serious shows are more requested, in which case I'll do my best to accommodate. But it's basically just gonna be like it'll be group, it'll be all of us. Like yeah. basically I'll take you know two people from each podcast. So it'd be like you and Amanda, you would represent an evening at the movie, she would represent Sip List. I would take a couple of people from the Masturbator's Debaters. A couple people from bracket bastards jeremy and i for you know maniacal musing and then i would be also for red eye and Uh we just sit around and bullshit and talk about current events and just basically have a chuckle fest
1: throw shit up against the wall and see what sticks
0: yeah there's zero format to it that's how it always used to be is that we would just my two friends would get drunk and then i would smoke a little bit and hang out you know and Whatever we talked about is what we talked about. That was, it always worked out. We did pretty good for a while. Yeah. But I like the idea
1: of that kind of a format because, again, I can be incredibly detail oriented when it comes to like my preparations for these. Right. So, like, I literally have like notebooks that are chocked full of, Outlined format for introduction, this part, this part, this part. And it's like it can get frustrating and overwhelming at times.
0: Oh, for but sure.
1: It definitely I love doing the show, and I'm glad that I created this show, and I'm glad that I'm making the friends that I'm making yourself, Jeremy, Dre, Harvey, possibly Amanda. <laughs> she's not listening anyway so i can say all the shit <laughs> I with it.
0: and then edit it out later so she doesn't catch it later on
1: oh yeah thank you for saying editing because i need to make a mental note that i need to edit the opening to the show so but yeah so um what do we have coming up on an evening at the movies um amanda and abby and myself will be recording episode 102 tomorrow on well not tomorrow sunday um episode 101 will be available wednesday morning because wednesday mornings are going to be our permanent release date from now on that way you guys all know when stuff's coming and know what to expect and not is it thursday this week is it monday this week whatever nope wednesdays so um after that uh my friend jackie's coming on and we're gonna talk about the movie heathers we have dre coming on before thanksgiving to do get out And then the week after that, we will be announcing the matchups for the first round of the greatest movie franchise tournament. If I can get through this freaking mess of a freaking room and find my damn brackets, because otherwise I'm screwed and gonna have to do it all over again. So, but yeah, that and then that tournament's coming up in December and going all the way through till the anniversary. And then all month of December, we will be honoring the comedic genius that is Eddie Murphy as well. So nice, everything Eddie Murphy in December, we're looking forward to that. So but as always, if you need to be updated on what's going on, check us out on social media. Facebook is just search for an evening at the movies, or you can search for me by name, Casey box um same on instagram uh the twitter is at evening at and then tiktok is at aeatm95 and you can get involved with all those different formats as well so again as always thank you chancy for being willing to come back on and Discuss this week's episode with me. I needed something to fill in, and after talking about Texas Chainsaw a couple of weeks ago with you, I thought whatever, what better thing to do to fill in while a man right? is recovering from vacation than to do Leatherface?
0: So Fuck yeah, man, I'm always glad to come on anytime you need me. I'm always, uh, I'll always come on.
1: See, that's the joy. We neither the two of us really go out and do a whole hell of a lot so when we have free time it's basically at home ready willing and able to do what we're needed to do in the podcast world right so with that said thank you guys again for being here thank you chancy as well and as always we hope you guys come back for an evening at the movies have a good week guys